reading from Exodus 1, 15 to 22. The king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Shipra and the other Pua, when you act as midwives to the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stool, if it is a boy, kill him. But if it is a girl, she shall live. But the midwives feared God. They did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them, but they let the boys live. So the king of Egypt summoned the midwives and said to them, Why have you done this and allowed the boys to live? The midwives said to Pharaoh, Because the the Hebrew women are not like the Egyptian women, for they are vigorous and they give birth before the midwife comes to them. So God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and became very strong. And because the midwives feared God, God gave them families. Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, Every boy that is born to the Hebrews you shall throw into the Nile, but you shall let every girl live. The word of God for the world. I'm excited to be here today. Um, I have to admit that preparing this speech was a, a bit nerve-wracking because I've spoken at other places, but this is different. Providence is family. So this is special to me, and this is one of the best gifts I've ever been given, and I hope today what I have to share can be a gift back to you. But through this process, I would write some of the sermon. I would cry a little bit. Through this process, I would write some of the sermon. I would laugh a little bit. Through this process, I would get overly nervous. I would write some of the sermon, and I would go back to my youth, and I would do the Carlton dance from the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. And then I had it done. I was down with it. I said, I can do this. I practiced it, and I delivered it in the voice of Ricky Bobby from Talladega Nights. And all I can tell you is, dear baby Jesus, healing is a mystery. This has been a process. September 18th is a very special day for me. Five years ago today, on September 18th, 2011, I walked into church. I walked into Providence for the first time, broken. And I look at this story here in Exodus. Providence, you were a midwife to me. You were a mother, and you are a mother to me. You've nurtured me to health. Today... I have a voice because you exist. I was talking to Herb a couple weeks back, and I just love how he says, I ask him, Herb, how are you? And he says, I am. I was like, if Providence was going to ask me, how are you? I would say, I am because, Mother Providence, you exist. You know, I was thinking about this sermon, and I had a cute sermon written. I really did. And then I read through it, and I noticed it reminded me a bit too much of Megan Trainor's pop hit, Me Too. It was very individualistic. It was all about me. So I went back to the drawing board, and I said, maybe I can brainstorm. So I did an activity. I wrote church as, and I left a blank. And I started writing things. I said, church as 
a space for healing. Church as a place for connection. Church as a place of safety. I kept doing this, and I never could fit in there church about my fabulousness. It did not (laughs) compute. And in that moment when I wrote that down, I had this image of Mother Providence, like any good mother would do. Boy, I taught you better. What is church? And the thing that came to mind was church is not a place for individualistic performance of story. But church is a space where the communal norm is sacred collectivism. Church is the space where I bring in my story and I share my experience with you and you share your experience with me. We bring our truths in and when our truths collide in conversation, whether that be in free for all or deeper or whether it's in get real or whether it's washing dishes at the Joseph Center or whether it's with our extended family at the table at the Joseph Center on 7th Avenue, or whether it's with our dear friends at Pine Park, which is now Brookdale. When our stories connect and when our insights on Scripture connect, we discover new truth. We discover things we would have never discovered alone. And for me, that is church as progressive. I was thinking about this sermon And I said, how can I make this special? This is a gift. And I could say three points, and that would be fine. But today I've written my sermon in a letter. This letter is from a son. It's from a child that's directed to its mother, the church. And as I read through this and as we talk about this, I want you to think, how would the mother respond? Or what connections do you have? Because in a space such as Providence, it's a space where we can connect and true truths can lead us to more truth. Mother Providence, to tell you how excited I am to be here, I have to tell you a story from the Joseph Center. It was one typical Sunday. All of our friends were there. But there was this one young boy that came in. I was carrying the cookie tray. Oh, his eyes looked And he saw it, and there was this sparkle in his eye, and he came up to me. Can I have some of those cookies? I was like, well, obviously, yes. When he partook of that cookie, his face lit up. He said, this is so good, I'm going to tell my friends. He went and told his friends, and he came back with his friends. That next Sunday, he walked in, and he said, y'all got any more of those cookies? I was like, yes. He said, here's my friends. His friends tasted of this sweetness. And they said, bro, you were right. This is the bomb. (laughs) I can identify with this young boy. You see, I've come to the table at Providence many times. And I've tasted the spiritual nourishment. And it's so sweet, I just can't keep my mouth shut about it. So here I am delivering a sermon. (laughs) My young friend from the Joseph Center continued to do this on a regular basis. And I noticed that he would wait until everybody was gone now to come up and ask if he could have a cookie, if he could have a dessert, something sweet. I finally got frustrated with this. I was like, dude, you know I'm going to give you a cookie. Why do you keep asking if I can have one today? He said, you don't understand. When we go to the grocery store, mom says we can't afford a sweet treat. That if I want something this sweet, 
I have to come to the Joseph Center. We go to Sunday dinner. Once again, I found an opportunity where I can really connect with my young friend. If you've ever carried a label that has been othered and marginalized in church, maybe you've had an experience too where you went to church services and they rhetorically packaged the sweetness of God's wholeness, but you never had the opportunity to open it up and partake in it. See, but Mother Providence, you have a different set of rules. I don't have to wear a certain label to be able to find a seat at the table. Mother Providence, Mommy, you have a different set of rules. You've taught me that closets, they're for clothes, not people. Mother Providence, today I am healthy and I can speak. Because when I was weak, you, you didn't try to other me. You didn't try to label me. You just embraced me. So as I begin this sermon, the only thing I can say to you at first is thank you. Mom, I remember the first time you invited me to the table for the Lord's Supper. It was a very special moment. You've guided me on a journey. And you've taught me the table is not a place for spectator etiquette only. Where I can look what's there, but I have full rights to engage the table. You've led me on a journey where now I, I engage in a norm of participatory sp spiritual nourishment. This is something that you've taught me. As I said, on September 18th, 2011, I came into Providence for the first time. I was spiritually malnourished. I thought because of a certain label, could I really find community? You've opened your arm like, arms like any good mother would do. Thank you. So in a way, today, this is a conversation I've always wanted to have. On September 18th, 2011, I heard a scripture read in church. The first scriptures I ever heard here was this passage from Exodus. So this is the passage I preach from today. When I look at Pua and Shipra, and I look at their lives, a lot of the qualities that I see in these midwives, Mother Providence... I've experienced them and I've seen them in you. And that's what I want to talk about. You've taught me quite a few things. Your love has shown me that I can belong. Mother Providence, you, you've always shown me, just like these midwives, that you love life more than you value power. I think about Shipra and Pua. A powerful man told them to kill off a certain section, sector of a population, a certain demographic. But their love for life said no. There they were holding space for something new to be birthed. Mother Providence, you've done this over and over again. I think about this, how many times, just like these individuals, it doesn't matter what label we care, carry. Mother Providence, you've told me stories about our friends at Brookdale. I've never met them, but I share something in common with them. You both called us to come out. You've called us to come out of isolation. You've called us to come out of fear. You've showed us that there is something there. And we may not know what's going to happen. 
We may not know what is next, but taking the risk of coming out and living in a community of authentic celebration, whatever happens, you assured us that you were going to be there. Mother Providence, I continue to think of our, the midwives. This midwife always had motivation to do what was right. The text says because they trusted God. I often think about this. And I put myself in the midwife's shoes. Would I have been motivated to hold space and to do good because I know whose I am? Or would, have I, would I have been motivated to hold space, to do good, because of my anger at Pharaoh? We all have many Pharaohs in our lives. We do. Maybe each of us have a different person or a different thing that oppresses us, that angers us. And I started to think, if I was to do good just because I hate Pharaoh, does that not make Pharaoh my God? Am I not functioning in a way where I am now participating in a system of evil and my goodness is only tolerated in a system and once again my good works are now found at the margins? Mother Providence, your courage to create a space where who I am never prohibited me from embracing whose I am has changed my life. It has. The midwife's motivation for preserving life was motivated by this deep trust in God. You were always there, tending to the emergence of new life. Dear Mother Providence, you've taught me again and again that whose I am is more important than who I am. It took a long time and you had patience, just as these midwives had patience because they believed there was something so beautiful that I can't give up on these mothers. In a way, Mother Providence, you've always had a sense of humor. It's corrective humor sometimes. You need to say something, you laugh, and you say, I still love you. When I came here, I was very angry. That's nice, son, but remember whose I am. I dreamed about remember whose I am for so long, and it sticks. You know, I was amazed at this story and the connection that we have. And I started to think, how can I in my daily life mimic what Mother Providence does? How can I hold space? How can I value life over valuing power? There's always a common thing there. And in my own life, and maybe yours as well, we find motivation that I can do what is right because I've had a mother in a church that I've seen do that. Mother Providence, do you remember that moment where I told you a story? Maybe you have that Mother Providence moment too where you said, this is what is keeping me from entering into community. This is why I don't think I can be a Christian. When I told you that moment, Mother Providence, you laughed. You were like, oh, honey, I've always known. You want to come to the table? It's there. Now it's turned full circle. So many of us, when it wasn't the comfortable thing to make sure that we, we had life, it wasn't 
the popular thing to do. You went back to that value that all life is sacred. And now, I know your secret, Mother Providence. I know that you're pregnant. And I know this is your third trimester. And I know that you are carrying something that is so special. And the value that you taught us applies here now. All life is sacred. I can't take away your fear, Mother Providence. I know that God is doing something new. I wish I could, but that's yours. But your child and my siblings, too, that were once othered, have now been invited into the community. We're here. And there is something that I can... There is something that I can assure you of. You are not alone. Amen.